Hello everyone and welcome to Player 456, a Squid Game pod. My name's Colin and as always I am joined by my wonderful co-host and even better friend, Jack Shaw. Jack, how are you? That was awful nice of you, Colin. Thanks very much. I am doing very well and I did promise people that I was going to try dry ramen and I did earlier on today. And do you know what? It was not bad. I ate it all. At first I was a little bit taken aback, but... It was quite nice. I would recommend it as a, a snack if you don't have crisps in the house, basically. What were you taken aback by? Was it the flavour? Was it the crispiness? It was the crispiness, basically, that was a little bit jarring at first. A lot crispier than crisps, basically. Mm. Maybe not even crispy. Hard might be a better way to describe it. It was quite hard, but with uh, the chicken curry powder or whatever on it, it was, yeah, well, I finished the whole bag, basically. So not all that bad. So Cat was right. Well done, Kat, for bringing that to our attention. So we're back to talk about part two of A Fair World. Um, I've obviously after doing part one yesterday, and um, we're kind of right back into the action on this one, Jack, aren't we? Um, in terms of everything's kicking off, and we're still jumping between the heroes and the guards. There's two different storylines going on, aren't there? There really is, and this is something that you were, you hinted at the last episode, and that's the control room where a guard is watching the Doctor and the Triangle Guards move through the staircases, basically. And he erases the the film, basically. But he does it really... <laughs> he does it by pressing a button. He doesn't select... He doesn't highlight and select what disappears. It's just a case of delete. And it just deletes the exact part. Did that annoy you? Because <laughs> it really did, really did, right? Because I am a self-confessed bit of a geek. And I fully understand that you can map buttons for certain actions and everything else, but you cannot look at a screen, decide something that you're going to delete, and then just look down and press a big round bright button, double tap it, and it just deletes. And the screen doesn't go, pop, <laughs> it just disappears. So, yeah, it, it annoys me as much as um, as much as much uh, John Ho's um, iPhone battery does on the show as well. Um, but it, did, it was a wee thing that I just thought was a bit weird. I think with these shows... You're not really meant to go into such granular detail like we are, but we do, and other people do become obsessed by these things, and I suppose that is a little bit annoying, but from a storytelling method, it would kind of be a little bit jarring if you've seen the guy open up Audacity or something like that, or sort of <laughs> iMovie and start cutting and pasting in new bits. It would sort of jar within the sort of storytelling, so I get why they do it, but yeah, you've picked up on that. Again, we see that the guards are basically similar to the contestants here, Colin, and they have got, again, <laughs> their bedtime, basically. It is like prison for them as well. Yeah, it really is, and it's, it's a good reminder here that their lifestyle and their environment is really not that different from the competitors. They're basically just got a private room, they're in a dormitory, and as soon as those contestants, as soon as they're um, put to bed, literally the next scene is a reminder that the guards are only able to go to their bedrooms and it's the end of the working day. Well, that is it, that is it, yeah. Mentioned luck before, and well, just in the previous episode there, so we're not going to go too much into it, but again, um, the police officer has been pretty lucky. John Ho, if he wasn't number 29, he wouldn't be able to see what was happening behind the scenes. Again, it just helps move the plot along that he has at least a reason to get into the background, so it's probably just simply put down to that, rather than a, a deep dive into being a moral upstanding citizen, getting your luck or whatever that I maybe thought in the last episode, but... Uh, 28 and 29 decide to walk down this sort of secret flight of stairs, Colin, to the operating theatre, basically. 
They do, yeah, they sort of improvised operating theatre and um, immediately 28 bits is a bit of a go at Junho for not showing up in the previous night. If you remember the last time we saw this sort of storyline going on, 29 was missing, um, clearly because he was dead. Um, and 28 reminds Junho at this point that the other guys wanted you dead for not showing up, but I vouched for you. Any other nonsense though, and you're out, sort of thing. So Junho's quickly having to piece all this together and make up stories and get his position correct, isn't he? To keep his to keep who he is secret here, but I like the fact that they did this. A lot of shows, Jack, probably just have ignored the fact that that happened in the previous episode and just move along from it. This doesn't do it. It refers back to it and it makes a point of it, and I like that it does that. That makes up for the, the delete button. I suppose John Ho is riding his luck more and more here because obviously to have close quartered conversations with people, you're going to say things that trip yourself up, and that's what sort of John Ho does here. He's in this room and there's like a pile of bodies there inside the the gift boxes and the doctor is cutting them up basically i kind of think this episode could have been called something like jobs to be honest with you because we start to find out a little bit about the staff here and their real jobs so 28 and 29 are both uh, professional divers so this is raises a question for me were they picked somehow because of their skills like, you are professional divers, therefore we need you to work for us to get the organs out? Or is it just, again, luck or bad luck? Because it seems a very specific job to have a professional diver and to have two of them on the staff. Seems a little bit premeditated. So, where is the professional? I, I, my understanding was that they, were, they just were people that were capable of diving. Like, they were able to dive, like... Did you think they were more, are you getting that they're more specialist than that? And that's Yes, I thought the case was we, it was a, a background on either 28, uh, yeah, 28, that he was a, a diver. Right, okay. I, I didn't realise that. I just I just thought that they realised that some of these boys could do a bit of the old diving and they brought, they brought them into the, into the scam. Because if you think the people that are picking the staff, I would imagine, probably aren't, they probably don't know about this site or so that's going on. Well, that is it. So that maybe maybe um maybe I got a little bit mixed up there, per se. But again, the jobs thing, we find out more about the doctor at a point. We find out more about John Ho and his job. So again, there's there's background and a lot that is about the people's jobs, what they had to do in the past. Possible episode title: Odd Job. Oh, very, I'm going to say very good, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we we carry on um, with the with the the John Ho show here. Um, there's two triangle guards um, watching over them, and one of them starts complaining about the absence the other night as well. But twenty eight comes to his defence and basically changes the story really quickly, uh, shouting at the doctor to hurry up, which takes the attention off of twenty nine, which is good. Um, the doctor complains that he's sleep deprived. And he's escaping death every day. And he reminds them that they provide they remind the doctor with we provide you with information on the upcoming games in exchange for this work and we give you extra food. So they're basically just telling him to shut up and stop moaning, aren't they? Yeah, they're basically saying, get on with it. We are in control of your survival again, skewing the supposed fairness of the game. This is obviously called a fair world episode and there's parts in it that we will get to about the sort of grey areas, about fairness that I'd, I'd like to speak about. But we're jumping back and forth here again to the uh, the heroes, basically. So in the, the dormitory, basically, we've got a little bit of scariness, in inverted commas, where G-Hun is sleeping in and there's a hand coming down towards his throat. But 
It's just Sang Wu basically waking him up to get him on to guard duty. This could also be called Dreams this episode as well, because there's a few hints towards Dreams. Pretty sure the Triangle Guard at one point talks about his dream. Mm-hmm. Sang Wu says to John Hu, who you are, you're having a nightmare. And then there is the daydream that we'll get to. So again, there's, there's kind of running themes throughout that I noticed anyway, Colin. Yeah, there definitely, there definitely is. And we'll, we'll, we'll mention them as they come up. Um, so the, the, the next watch is Jihan and uh, the old man, uh, 001. They take over from Sangwu and Ali and they start their watch. Interesting wee bit you see here as well, Jack, is uh, Juxu. He's kind of prowling around. He's nervous. He can't sleep. This is a guy that showed no fear, no no fear of anything up until this point, and Jihan's really done a number on him, warning him about his own people trying to kill him, and you can see that even that's impacted him here, and it's keeping him, it's actually keeping him awake at night. It kind of feels like something that, if you were bullied at school, or had to deal with a bully at a certain point, it would be something that you would love to do to a bully, would be basically to mind fuck them, and that is what Jihan's done really well here, but again, he... We spoke about him not showing his smarts quite a lot, and you've got to remember he only probably done that because of what Sixty Seven had said just in the conversation before that about trusting. So he was smart enough to use it, but he might not have been able to do that if Sixty Seven hadn't sort of mentioned the the trust thing just before he spoke to to Juxu. But he really has done a number on him here for sure. And um, we we quickly go back to the operating room at this point, and. Um, the guards are like, hurry up, hurry up, doctor, hurry up. And at this point, they actually offer to help him and say, listen, just tell us what to do. We'll do a bit of the old organ removal. The doctor takes quite a bit of offence at this, doesn't he? Um, I trained hard to do this. You couldn't do it, etc. And that's when the, the guards start turning on the doctor a little bit and remind them that you, you killed a man by malpractice. Another job. You're not really one to preach to us. And that gives you an idea because a doctor, Jack, is a, is a very good job, a very well-paid job, a respected job. And it's not somebody you'd probably expect to find in a place like this. So that gives you the answer as to why the doctor's in here in the first place. He's obviously lost his job. He's potentially been sued on a malpractice claim. And that's why he's in the shitter as well. So it was good that you get that little bit of backstory about the doctor and why he's there. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure how common suing is in South Korea. I know it's obviously big in America. Here in Britain, it's not such a thing. For people that are listening outside of Britain, we are not much of a suing culture and I'm not sure if South Korea is a, I suppose if it is, he's been sued and that's maybe led him into debt, he's maybe again just making things up here, he's maybe not had the right insurance or he's not been paying his insurance, he might have a gambling problem but we know that he has killed somebody and that's basically I don't see why they would tell you otherwise that's basically the reason that he is here. Now there's a throwback here when a staff member says all these people have signed their bodies away. They haven't signed their bodies away in the contract for Squid Game. And the only time I think they've signed another contract was in episode one with the gangsters in Red Light, Green Light, where they got them to uh, sign it in blood, basically. Yeah. Are those gangsters something to do with the Squid Game as well? And is that, again, how does it all tie in? Because that's the only other time I can think that anybody signed a contract yeah it's the only, it's the only way I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that at all yeah it could be right I totally forgot about that in the first episode you know signing contracts and blood and threatening to lose part of your body yeah. it's like a, a squid game going on the outside wasn't it according to this card everybody that's went there has signed that contract yeah yeah you could be onto something anyway 
Uh, back to the sort of daydreaming and dream. Um, in fact, I wanted to mention that when this scene started with, you see the, the fighting happening, there's a policeman appearing out of the blue, beating up a group of people. Did you think it was a dream sequence at first? Um, I, I, I knew it wasn't happening, yeah. I, I, I didn't know if, it, if he'd fallen asleep or it was a daydream or something worse. But yeah, I think you could tell by the lighting and the, the kind of effects used that it wasn't real. Um, but it, it was very off-putting. It took you right out of, the, out of the room because it was filmed so differently and it looked so different as well, the camera work. Or would you call it more of a hallucination? Like, it seems a little bit cleverer than just a, a dream sequence. I do enjoy dream sequences. They're used spectacularly in shows like The Sopranos, for example. I am a fan. I thought it was just, a, again, just a slight twist on what would normally be a dream sequence. Turns out to be a sort of daydream sequence in the way that he snaps out of it. It's different to somebody waking up, basically, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. This, I mean, when when I watched it back, I think for the second or the third time in preparation for this, I started thinking about, is this kind of like an early type of PTSD? Right, okay. Post-traumatic stress disorder. That was my impression of it, but I don't know how quickly something like that can develop. And I don't know if it would develop as quickly in, as this, but given the circumstances they're in, who knows? It's not your typical war circumstances it's worse probably in a lot of ways so that was the thought I had that kind of took me beyond the daydream and the dream section I thought is, is this like a mental health issue now at this point for this guy very well it might be yes it might be anyway we mentioned before that player one was very keen to share guard duty with Jihoon and they have a sort of bit of a conversation here and Jihoon tells player one a little bit about his job and his life before the game and more specifically about the strike that took part in the car factory where he used to work, and he got fired, we think, quite unjustly. He'd worked there for over a decade, we think, so that, again, just shows certain characteristics, so it does. It does, because up until this point, you've been led to believe that outside of the games, he's a bit of a waster, as Jihan. He's a gambler. He's never getting any money. He's always borrowing money off his mother. He's up to all sorts of stuff. Um, whereas in reality... This was a guy that held down a job at a car park, uh, sorry, a car factory making car parts for 10 years. That's a steady wage. That's a good work ethic. That's a, a good citizen, Jack. And this sort of being unjustly fired and the de- and the strike and everything that happened at this place, I, w- I would imagine this was the start of his sort of downward spiral. The start of why he ended up where he was, but they brought him into these games, I think. Spoke about luck and bad luck. It's really bad luck if you get fired or a strike action on, is it the day that his daughter was born that that happened? Or round about her birth anyway? It looks like it was round about the time of her birth because there's a throwback to his wife in one of the previous episodes saying that he wasn't even there for her birth. So it is the day she was born yeah. he was at the industrial strike where his friend got killed. Yeah, because yeah, I think he mentions that they barricaded themselves in and they were scared to leave the factory because they felt if MD left they would shut the doors. And they'd never get back in again. Um, so I think that's why they sort of stayed there as long as they did. And it made him miss his daughter's birth, obviously. Yeah, player one is obviously a great actor in the sense of acting in the show, not as an actual actor, because he sort of, not reminisces, but he claims that he remembers the strike and, and saw it on the news and he remembered that somebody had died. Then sort of snaps out of it and says, oh, I don't even know why I said that. Again, is he acting as if he's got dementia and he's getting these flashbacks or is there something else going on here? Is he getting a memory from somewhere else, basically? 
I think he's getting a memory from the pl- the player's file that he's read <laughs> Fair um, before, like previous to them all going in or after they all left and then chose to come back. Um, but when you're watching this for the first time, you're not thinking that. I've said to you before, Jack, these people on the internet that claim to have recognised all the player 001 stuff and saw it through it from the start and saw the twist that's coming, I don't believe any of them. So at this point, you just think maybe he does remember it and the dementia's making it not so clear. But I didn't think much of it at the time. It was certainly not at first watch anyway. Yeah, I think he's doing a really good job of at least tricking the characters or everybody else in the show that he has got dementia when, well, he doesn't. But we go back to the guards here and they're having this sort of conversation. Pretty blase about killing people, calling them zombies, because obviously some of them are still alive in the ground there, in there and they maybe jump up and they scare them and they call them zombies and they say, oh, I had to beat them to death and it points to like a, basically a lead pipe, something you would see in Cluedo, basically, that he beat somebody to death with. This is when there's another dream reference, actually, and it's the, it's one of the triangle guards basically says, the zombie was in my dream. So it's affecting them as well. Like, they're having nightmares about what they're doing. They're not having a great time of it either here. And we know that already. No, we do. And like this conversation triggers Junho a little bit because they mention one particular zombie that they obviously had a buyer lined up for the kidneys of this person and they opened them up and found they only had one kidney. Um, and that immediately gets Junho's attention because, which leads you to believe that his brother that he's searching to find only has one kidney, which is why he's suddenly paying attention to this guy. And um, he starts asking questions about it. What happened to the player with one kidney? But again, the doctor gets a bit mad and starts um, telling them all to shut up and telling them we can't concentrate while the chit-chat going on. And again, it takes the sort of uh, the attention away from John Ho because people are about to ask him, Jack, why are you asking us stuff that you already know? Well, that is it. That's probably quite a good time to leave it here when the organs are getting put into these sort of big delivery, delivery bags, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Um, so what we'll do now is we'll get to some of your questions, queries, and theories. Questions, queries, theories. Hi, 456ers. Just before we get to your part of the show, we would like to let you know that we also do a show called Wrong Term Memory, where we cover some true crime, some 90s pop culture, a little bit of history, some science, a whole range of things, really. Yeah, so if you enjoy listening to us, and not just listening to us talking about Squid Game, then just search in your podcast app of choice for Wrong Term Memory, or visit our website at wrongtermmemory.com. If you don't fancy doing that, you can offer your support for Player 456 by leaving a review or rating. Now, on with the show. This one isn't a question, query or theory actually, Colin. This is just uh, blowing our own trumpet a little bit, but the World One to One podcast on Twitter picked our podcast um, Squid Game um, Player 456 for their podcast of the week so big shout out to them thanks that was awfully nice of them yeah. yes, hashtag podcast club podcast of the week as Player 456 so cheers world one to one that was awfully nice of you we'll move on to Scooby Colin what is Scooby being asking and saying because yeah it's sort of blowing your trumpet a little bit again but when you get to know us a little bit better we do love this stuff. We really do, especially from guys with the name Scooby. So Scooby says, recently I started listening to this podcast after searching for an episode-by-episode episode deep dive. That was our intention, Scooby. Great insight and commentary, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. And the Scottish accents make it exponentially more fun. 
<laughs> Question for you is, if X, and you know exactly who I'm talking about, and his team had lost at tug of war, do you think X would have died, bearing in mind the false results of the next game? What's your thoughts on that, Jack? So, player one, uh, we're talking about here, and I think we actually discussed this in the previous episode, Scooby, so we might have already answered your question. I think he would have. Well, I thought that he was trying to hide something with uh, the very first shot overhead, but Colin seems pretty adamant that he's seen screenshots that he was connected to the rope. And I think because he, he knows that he's unwell, because he is unwell, it's, it might not be dementia, but he's unwell. So I think he wants to live, in inverted commas, by engaging in the games in a real way. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's about right, yeah. Uh, what I'll do is I'll dig out those pictures, those screen grabs, and I'll stick them up on the Twitter this week um, so that people can see them and see what I was talking about and see that he does have those chains or... Hopefully you'll see that he's got them. You might think I'm seeing things that aren't there, but I'll stick that up there for Scooby and for everybody else to have a look at. I suppose when you say bearing in mind the false result of the next game, uh, the Marbles game, we'll we'll get to it, obviously, but I do think he has maybe had a change of a change of thought after the tug of war game, thinking, Holy shit, I could have actually died. Let's protect me a little bit more here, guys. Maybe. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. There's, there's something to that, I'm sure. Right, we'll wrap it up there, so cheers, Colin. Thanks, mate. Um, let's do this all again tomorrow. Speak to you soon, guys. <laughs> <laughs>